Here, let me open another beer. Hey folks, I am Ryan Goodman, and you are listening to the Beef Runner Podcast. Join the conversation and find all my content at beefrunner.com or find me on Twitter and Instagram as beefrunner. Hey folks, Ryan Goodman here with another Over a Beer series episode on the Beef Runner Podcast. I want to take a step back and say, wow, the past couple of weeks have seen life change at a rapid pace for most of us here in the United States as coronavirus has swept our nation. Here in Colorado, we've seen cities implementing stay-at-home orders, as many other states have done as well. The news and the situation has been changing nearly by the hour as events unfold, and this is definitely going to have an impact on our society for the long term. One of the positive impacts coming out of this time is that families are able to spend more time together even if they're being forced to do so through social distancing. And this also means that we have time to plan meals around the table. Food is something that has always brought people together, even if we're having to be more strategic about buying that food via restaurant takeout or timing our trips to the grocery store where shelves are restocked overnight. This also happens to coincide with 2020 National Ag Day theme of food bringing people around the table. For this week's Over a Beer series episode, Carrie and I discuss this from this perspective of people not being able to cook today. You can see this through all the meal prep and delivery options available, but also through the questions people have about recipes and cooking methods. So we tell a little bit of our story and bring this full circle to discuss some amazing opportunities those of us in the agriculture community could take to connect with people in our communities and bring them to gather around the table for a good meal, of course, after our time of social distancing has passed. So it's important to note that Carrie and I did record this podcast podcast episode before the coronavirus had such an impact on our society, but we still feel the need to publish this episode to talk about the topic that all of us can work through to connect with other people around us. Once you've listened to this episode, let us know what you think by connecting with us on social media as Beef Runner and Dairy Carry, and we hope you share this episode with your friends and that you can gather around the table for a good meal once this time has passed. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Beef Runner Podcast, discussing the fact that we can't cook. taste of my morning toothpaste out of my mouth with this beer. That works. Might be a good idea. Ah, minty. Welcome back to another Over Beer series podcast episode of the Friender Podcast. We're hanging at our house, so you might hear my dog pacing in the background because, well, like me, she has anxiety. But not the kids, and not because Carrie drugged them. <laughs> not this time. Because Patrick took them <laughs> yes. on a snowy adventure today. Yes, to get them out of the way. <laughs> yep. We still have our spotted cow. Right. Got to have that when you're in Wisconsin. Yep. I haven't had my Culver's yet today. Not yet today, but we had Culver's yesterday. Correct. What was yesterday's flavor of the day? Uh, Chocolate-covered strawberries. Yes, because it's Valentine's Day. It's delicious. It was delicious. So, a lot of good food here in Wisconsin. Yep. We tried cooking a couple of times together. <laughs> that always goes well. <laughs> Did you just follow the instructions? It's hard. <laughs> no, actually, I like to think I can cook pretty good. I think you can. I mean, from a very young age, my mom always had me cooking. One of the first things that she had me make from scratch was cornbread mm-hmm. and a cast iron skillet. Yeah. And I, I was... don't know how to make that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I could figure it out, but I've never made that. No, I can make pretty decent cornbread. I did that for New Year's. Made yeah. a whole spread. And then from a really young age, always made the Sunday morning muffins. Mm-hmm. Always from the pack, but right. makes it easy. I think the first food I ever cooked for myself was either ramen or mac and cheese. Blue box, craft mac and cheese. And to this day, those are my comfort foods. 
<laughs> Did you hear that? Gary Curry makes package mac and cheese. Oh, I have a whole stack of Kraft mac and cheese right there. I mean, I love my homemade, like, from scratch mac and cheese, but there will always be a place for Kraft in our house. I do add extra cheese. Yeah. I will say that. Extra cheese, little meat, little milk, and it takes a little bit of know-how to make even something that simple. Right. I mean, when I say that those were the first foods I cooked, I should say that, like, that was on my own and I was probably six. The next thing I, like, learned how to make probably around the same time was how to make a gin martini for my grandmother's. Both my grandmas drink gin martinis, so I've known how to make a gin martini for a very long time. Well, I grew up in the Bible Belt, and that was not... (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't what your grandmother's taught you how to make. Not a thing, no. So we wanted to talk about cooking, but not like a recipe show. What we have found really interesting, oops, there's my beer cap. Um, What we found really interesting is that the younger generations don't cook very much. And I want to preface this like not necessarily a specific millennial, specific Gen Z, because it's not all the generations that don't like. Ryan and I are both millennials. Right. Even though I'm an old millennial, technically they call my age of millennial the Oregon Trail generation, right? We lived a life before internet and with internet. We're a little different in that we had the best of both worlds, worst of both worlds, I'm not sure. But there's the older millennial subset is actually pretty different from the younger millennial subset. But we do know, and and I think most people have heard, that cooking at home is... Declining. Declining. So we want to talk about that. No, a quick Google search. I mean, in working with Consumer Research Day, you see millennials, as they become parents, want to cook at home. And so we definitely see that. But there is a drop-off. Quick Google search showed that between, I guess, the younger half of millennials, somewhere around 45, 47% of them cook around five meals at home a week, compared to Gen Xers who cook about about 60 of them cook five meals at home per week. 60%. Yeah. yeah. So when you were growing up, how often did you guys go out to eat as a family? We went out Sunday lunch. Okay. was a special we'd go out uh, like after with church. friends after church to go eat. And then during the summers when we got really busy working cattle long days. Go grab pizza. We'd go grab pizza at the <laughs> gas station and everybody would sit. But it was still, we'd sit around the table. Right. Even if it was at the barn. Right. And eat. And I would say that growing up, we ate out maybe once a week. We ordered a lot of pizza because I, I grew up in town. Mm-hmm. So we ordered pizza or Chinese. Like, that was a big deal. But I talk about ramen and mac and cheese being, like, my first meals. But we didn't eat a lot of prepackaged food. There was a lot of, not fully from scratch, like, spaghetti sauce was still prego, but we jazzed it up. I remember thinking, like, SpaghettiOs were a delicacy because we'd never had SpaghettiOs in our house. We had the... What do you, uh, what's the brand of the raviolis? Chef Boyardee. The Chef Boyardee. You know, we (laughs) had had that that. a couple of times a week, maybe. Yeah, no. If we were home more often after school or something like that. There was, yeah, always table meals. Mm -hmm. When my dad cooked, it was Spam or hot dogs and eggs. (laughs) (laughs) So my sister, um, she's my half sister. We grew up in separate houses. Um, is seven years younger than me, I think. 
I'm not going to do the math right now, but I think she's seven years younger than me. She and her family, now she's got two kids, so things are slightly different, but they eat out all the time. And she doesn't cook, really. She's a incredible cake decorator. I will say, like, my sister can decorate cakes like nobody's business. I'm going to send you a picture to put in this blog post of one of her cool cakes, because she's awesome at that. But she doesn't cook. Her husband does. And I was just down there to meet my new nephew, and he made some smoked pork burnt ends that I'm still dreaming of. They were delicious. He does such a great job, but it's a totally different thing from what I grew up with in, in just how often they eat out. And and I see that in like my younger cousins and younger friends. They eat out so much more than what we ever did. And research shows that that's the case, that so many more people are eating out at these and going to restaurants. The meal kits, the delivery meal kits are huge across the, the spectrum because older millennials that have kids are looking for time-saving stuff or different recipes. I use the meal kits on occasion too, just to break out of the rut of what I'm in. And I've seen younger people who feel like they don't know how to cook really or don't have that experience cooking, they're trying the meal kits because they see it as a way to eat at home. It's slightly less expensive than going out. So that's interesting. Yeah. So when you go to Costco, you see a lot of those. There's a lot of the meal kits in the refrigerated oh. section. I mean, like the meal kits, like order, that, yeah. that you order online and they show up at the door with it's every plate. I tried HelloFresh. Yeah. There's a bunch of those, but you know, go to Costco or go to Walmart or some of those places, and that's kind of like the the main dish is prepared. So you see, like a thing of barbecue that you just have to heat up or something like that. Those are different than the freezer meals yeah. that maybe Gen Xers had. Because Yeah, it's not a TV dinner. Our generation is big on it being fresher. So we want right. lower sodium, right. fresh ingredients. And so a lot of those things will come with whole vegetables that you have to dice up and cook. Right. I've read some articles where there's so much research into how much prep do people actually want to do to feel like they're doing enough. Like boxed cake mixes have added extra ingredients. Like they could put powdered eggs in a boxed cake mix and you wouldn't have to add eggs, but people didn't feel like it was homemade enough without cracking eggs. So they do that. So instead of one step, you have two steps basically. So that's interesting. And and I think that the Every Plates and HelloFresh and Blue Apron, those have also really looked at how many steps are people willing to do. Yeah, the Every Plates one that I've seen, like, it's all raw ingredients. There's not, other than the seasonings, nothing is mixed or diced up. Right, but none of them have marinades where you have to, like, mix something in the morning and let it marinate during the day. It's all all immediate. Right, so that's interesting. It's that instant gratification thing, too, right? Yeah. And I'll be honest, a lot of times, like, something that stops me from making a meal is that I forgot to marinate the meat in the morning or I forgot to defrost meat in the morning. So I get that. Mm -hmm. I see why it's all instant. You don't have the layers of flavor, but you have a good meal at the end, so it works, right? Right. And so without those milk kits, I think they kind of show something of knowing how to cook something with right. multiple steps, like, or a recipe. I don't right. always know. And that's one of the big challenges working with beef is, well, you walk up and, you know, your steaks and your ground beef, but all of those other cuts, They're, they can be so intimidating. What do you want to do with this? And so that's something you've seen a lot of, you know, kind of on the labels, you've seen a suggested, here's a preparation method or a cooking right. method or a QR code that you can scan and here's a recipe. Can QR codes go away, please? I hate QR codes. I don't think they will with the conversations about wanting traceability in our food supply, knowing this came from. I think that they're going to stick around and they're becoming easier when you're an iPhone user. Uh-huh. 
Google phones, still Android not phones. Native. You have to have an app for it. No, they're making it within the camera now. Oh, okay. Well, so you can tell how much I scan key you are. Come on, Carrie. I know. Hey, I'm the older <laughs> millennial. I don't want QR codes. I'll just go to a website. Speaking of going to a website, there's millions of food bloggers out there and recipe bloggers, and we curate boards of recipes that look delicious, but... How often do you cook them? Very rarely. My new thing is one meal a week should come from Pinterest, <laughs> because I spend so much time pinning there and not time... I just want to curate pretty pictures of food. See, I go online for a lot of recipes, but it's, what was that recipe for banana bread? I wanted to cook banana right, bread. Specific. Or what was that recipe for? Your sweet potato souffle. No, sweet potato oh. casserole. S sorry, casserole. Yeah, even my own sweet potato casserole that has been in my family. Like, I wrote the recipe on my blog so I could go back and look <laughs> I, at it. I do that with my recipes all the time. <laughs> like, I don't want to look through a book, so let me write it in a blog post. <laughs> I Google my own recipes often. And it's like, I know them, but I just was like, wait, how much is white? How much baking soda? How much baking powder was supposed right, to go in there? Right, Things I've made a million times I still need to be reminded of. <laughs> Maybe we're not the only ones that do that. No, I don't think so. So, I know Dairy Checkoff works with, like, some of these delivery meals to get dairy included. Just beef? I don't work on that team, yeah. so I don't know all of the partnerships, yeah, but you're, all the Checkoff programs are working with these food retailers, food distributors, to make that information available. Because we want to go online, we want to look for that recipe, and we want things that are simple, mm -hmm. right, and healthy. And mm -hmm. so how do you find all of that mix? Yeah. I've thought about opening a business in our town where I just go into people's houses and, like, cook meals for them for the week and while they're at work because I like to cook for people. Like a meal genie. Yeah, a meal genie. <laughs> There's the name of my business. <laughs> Mark that one down. Yeah. Someone else better not trademark that. Right? Um, probably hard. There's probably a meal probably. genie. Well, I've gone into like the food kitchens. Mm -hmm. um, I've been in some on the East Coast working with some food influencers on the East Coast. What do you um, mean food kitchens? So like you go in and one of the things is people don't know how to cook. Right. And so someone opens up a kitchen where it's got multiple stations and mm -hmm. people come in and prepare ingredients for their food that week. And so they will do their own chopping, their own marinade, their own preparation and mixing the things, and then take all of those ingredients home to cook for the week. Those were big here like five years ago, but they've all closed down now, I think. So I don't know if they were just not profitable enough. I don't know. I don't know. I, I still think that I see several of them pop up and more of them. I think it's a genius idea. Some of them are franchised and some of them yeah. are like a local person doing this. Right. I think it's kind of like that drink and paint thing. Yeah, right. Drink wine and go paint. <laughs> right. People want that interaction. That yeah, get together with their friends and make yeah. meals. So there's a statistic that younger millennials like to go grocery shopping with friends. I think that's weird, but then also I realize that like almost every time I go to Costco, my friend Aaron comes with me and we do shop together. Well, that's because you want to share the Costco membership. Yeah, we share them. That's exactly <laughs> it. But also, there's only so many hours in a day and we both need to go to Costco. So it's our little time to hang out together as friends and still get things done. And so we, we chat on the drive over, we chat while we shop, and we chat on the way back. So what I do is I'm a creature habit. No kidding. <laughs> so I go, there's a Costco near my office. And so when I'm at, at the office, mm -hmm. I go on Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon when I need gas. Because Costco's always like 10 cents cheaper on gas. Uh -huh. 
right after work. So I try to leave the office about 4.30 and I go in and I get my milk, my eggs, my yogurt, my frozen berries, my salsa, my chips, and my bottled water. And like, I'm a creature of habit. I get the same exact things. And then then I look if I need some beef, if it happens to be on sale, I'll get some. And then I go home, I take it, I divide it all up and portion size it, put it in the freezer. And then I go to Safeway, which is in our small local town of about 1,400 people. I get my fresh produce there to make sure that like that local grocery store stays open. Plus, you don't necessarily need Costco quantities. I don't need Costco quantities of fresh fresh produce. produce. Yeah. Right. So uh, that's kind of my routine that Mm -hmm. I make. And then I'll get some of those box meals like the Every Plate. And so I'm the opposite completely. I go to Costco and I wander the aisles and try new things. And every time I'm there, I get veggie straws and fruit cups because my children would love to survive on nothing but veggie straws and fruit cups. But I try new things all the time. I was showing you some pickles that I... I got this last time and told you you needed to And you've got me the, is it Blue Moose cheese dip that I tried a couple times? Yes, yes. The Blue Moose cheese dip is so good. But that's not at all Costco's. That's only at yours in Colorado. Yes, it is. (laughs) So I make him bring it to me. I bring cheese to Wisconsin (laughs) and I take home beer. Right. It's a Um, good deal. So, again, complete opposite. I do meal, like, grocery delivery, which is huge. Grocery pickup and grocery delivery. But our tiny little town has delivery groceries and with two little boys, the last thing I want to do is go to the grocery store. So delivery groceries is clearly huge in addition to delivery meal services. Yeah, right? so I see a lot of people, I should say, we see a lot of stores now where it's employees that are doing shopping yeah. for their service where they bring all the the groceries to the front of the store. and mm-hmm. You order them on the app and you just have to walk in and pick them up or... Like Walmart will bring them out to your vehicle right, for you. Right, right, And our, our store does that too, but I like it even better to have it delivered. And it's $7.95 to have it delivered, but I end up saving more than that because I'm not buying random things I see at the store. Plus, my time is valuable. Like, And is it worth $7.95? And plus, I, I tip the driver to not take my children to the grocery store. Oh, so worth it. <laughs> so worth it. I don't have to have a car cart. I don't have to have kids strapped in and screaming. It's it's about the best thing Well, ever. then I even see people like uh, using Instacart. And so yeah, they'll have the I groceries. They'll have the groceries delivered to the office before oh, they leave. That's smart. So like they may not live in the Instacart area, but they'll oh, get the yeah, groceries at the office. So what does this all mean for ag? Well, I think one of the things that kind of blends all this together is people are interested in food, but they don't know what's cooked. So like we go online to look at recipes, but I'm finding a lot of people don't know how to cook. Right. Chopping things, slicing things. What does that mean to put these ingredients together? Or what are these different... How do you marry, you know, what flavors work? That's, I mean, I think that's a huge... If you don't know how to dice an onion... There's a YouTube video for that. Well, yeah. But a <laughs> recipe can be really... It can be challenging. Intimidating. So I think for ag, something that we have the opportunity... And what I work with a lot with advocates is, is we don't talk enough about the food as it exists on the plate. Right. We get tied up and really excited about talking about these production issues and production right. topics. Because they are important. Right. But I found a good opportunity to learn about the nutrition of our product and how do we make these things in the kitchen. So people are really, I think, interested in what's made that farm kitchen, what's made that ranch kitchen. Right. Farm family recipes, ranch family recipes. And so I think there's an opportunity for more of us in ag to talk the language of our consumers, the food and the nutrition as it exists on their plate. I think we can get people to feel really good about beef, but if they don't know how to cook a flank steak that's on sale at the grocery store, they're just not going to buy it. 
Right. They're going to get the chicken breast because... They know how to cook that. So I think it can be as simple as um, jumping on TikTok and putting up a video. So I made one of, here's how you know when to turn your burgers on the grill. Yeah. And overnight, it got 10,000 views. Right. I opened the account, had right. no ag followers, right. put up one video with a couple of hashtags on TikTok, and it yeah. got 10,000 views overnight. Another thing I think that this is important for those of us in ag is to realize if they're not eating at home and they're eating out... Younger kids, yeah, I should not call younger millennials kids. I should not call younger millennials kids. Sorry, this makes me sound very old. But those um, kids, these those days. darn kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, they are eating out. They're not going to chain restaurants as much either. That's an, an interesting statistic. They love the farm-to-table concept and restaurants that kind of have that vibe. So a lot of their information is being formed by words on the menu, being formed by chefs. All of their meals that they eat out are so good and they all tie back to, you know, there's that subliminal thing that... I need to have food be local, be, you know, from farms I, that have a name to them to make this kind of food. They don't realize that you can get a perfectly good pork chop at a Walmart if you know how to cook it. I overcook pork every I'm time. I'm just going to say for our pork friends, properly cooked pork should have a blush of pink at 145. There you go. So to kind of put something that's in person, that tactical, offline, tell us a little bit about your farm to table event that you've put together. Oh, so yeah. you live in a little, you live in a bedroom community that's between Madison and Milwaukee. Right. So a couple years ago, before we all had children... <laughs> on this committee we got together and it started because we had a large scale goat farm that wanted to move into our community and people lost their ever loving minds about this goat farm and we really realized that there's just a huge disconnect right here in our own community even though you know our town is two miles across and completely surrounded by agriculture even being in between madison and milwaukee because it's a bedroom community to those bigger bigger cities there's just not a lot of ag knowledge right in town so we decided we needed a way for people to meet their farming neighbors so we hosted a dinner in our downtown square, which is actually a triangle, but whatever. We have a very historic Norman Rockwell setting downtown. It's beautiful. And we hosted a meal with 80 people, and the entire meal was cooked from products that were local to us. Not necessarily from single-source farms, but products that were local to us. So Crystal Farms cheese is based in Lake Mills. So we have, from that to our neighbors who make the most fantastic tortillas, organic tortillas, were there. We had meat from local producers and vegetables from home gardens. And it was just really kind of a celebration of ag in our area. And then what we made sure to do is we had farmers from all of those different products that were there sitting at the tables in between people from town that bought tickets. And we sold tickets, I think we sold them for like 75 bucks a piece. Sponsors covered our costs and all the ticket money ended up being donated to our food pantry in town so um, we raised like three grand for the food pantry and had a night of really good conversations so you, what you did is you recognize that people that maybe are living in town and aren't directly connected to agriculture are interested in local food sitting around a table mm -hmm. that family friend right. atmosphere and then you brought farmers to the table yeah. To have and, those interactions. You know, I made sure that anybody that was there was not going to be the farmer that would bash the guy at the other end of the table, like, or gal, I should say. 
I wanted everyone that was there speaking on behalf of agriculture to be open and receptive to listening and hearing and talking and truly supportive of all ag. And we haven't held it since then just because, again, everyone in our committee has kids now and it's just a lot. But maybe something But people that keep begging us to have If you've got time, people want right. it. So if right. people that have time, maybe you don't have kids yet or you got a little older kids and you're kind of in that spot where you can get together with people in your community. Right, get enough people together to, to put it on. And it's it's not about an agenda. It's not about education. It's about coming around shared values right. in a friendly spot in, around in the table. And community building. Yep. When you're in a community like our town, we have a stronger opportunity to bridge that gap between city and town and, and help people understand what is going on outside of the borders of the town. So Because people, they just don't know. And if we can help people understand that that's not just going to like help ag in the future, but when we have local or county legislation that affects farmers, we can get people that we have connected with in our towns that have no ag ties to actually care a little bit more and have more say in what we're doing or will vote in ways to support farmers because they have someone that they can go to and ask. So, of course, after this, tons of people made, you know, Facebook friend requests back and forth so that they could continue to have these conversations. And you planted that seed. Right, planted that seed. And now that person who really didn't have any farmers now has a farmer that they can go to and talk to. And you don't have to make it a huge ordeal like we did. That was a lot of work, but there's smaller ways you can do that. I hosted a cheese tasting event at our local coffee house in June and just invited people in. I bought the cheese out of my own pocket, just invited people people in to come and try new cheese. And I invited a couple farmers to that. And I think we had 20 people there. Cost me maybe 50 bucks. Coffee shop was more than happy to have it at their place and, and bring people in. And again, it just gave an opportunity for conversation. So, so that's something that people that aren't directly on the farm a lot of us live in bedroom communities, right. and so we can take advantage of that. Or that's something that, you know, hey, let's rely on our neighbors and see if we can kind of get something like this together. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that at advocacy today. Agreed. So, long and skinny. Let's help people learn how to cook any way we can. And remember that we need to talk beyond the pasture. We have to talk what's on the plate, too. I think you said earlier in a previous episode of the only people that talk about cows 24-7 <laughs> are farmers. farmers. Right? Right. And right? so let's talk the language of our customers, the people we want to reach, and that's food around the table. Agreed. Hey guys, real quick before we go, I want to say thank you to everyone that's helping to provide essential services during the time of the coronavirus outbreak and, and during social distancing and, and all of the steps that we're taking to ensure that this virus doesn't impact us greater than what it already has. And I also want to invite you to join us in the conversation. Find us on Twitter and Instagram as BeefRunner and Dairy Carry. Let us know what you think about the topic and how you're helping other people to understand how to cook, how to find that food during these times, and how we can come together closer as communities around the food around the table to have these great conversations conversations about agriculture in our society today.